Venturing Podcast welcomes you to our ongoing conversations with accomplished executives who care about long-term leadership, succession, and legacy. Today, your hosts, Kristen Evenson and Mark L. Vincent, have a conversation with Dave Cornell, speaker, author, and trainer at Cultivate Courage. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Third Turn Podcast. In this podcast episode, Kristen Evenson, my co-host, speaks with Dave Cornell, founder of Cultivate Courage, where they're going to talk about the importance of courage in third-turn leadership. Give this one a listen. Well, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dave Cornell, who has his own personal and professional wrestling match with Courage and now works with leaders in their own. Welcome, Dave. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, I've really been looking forward to this conversation. It's always kind of fun at this stage of life and this stage of my career to kind of think back and go, how in the world did I meet Dave? When was that? Where was that? It's typically a little fuzzy. <laughs> but I think we met when you were working at LifeTouch and I was doing some work with LifeTouch. Is that would that have been the case, do you think? Yes, that, that rings a bell. Uh, again, the exact circumstances, I don't recall, but I know that I've had the opportunity to get to visit with you numerous times over the last many years, and I've always enjoyed it every time. And uh, maybe we'll get to hear a little bit more about the background, your own corporate journey. But yes, you are well into your own third turn chapter and doing some really important work. And would you just kind of tell us a little about that? What is it you're doing and why? Yes, I founded my business, Cultivate Courage, back in 2011. And what I do is I go into organizations and companies and I speak on fear and courage and how those two emotions impact us both professionally and personally every day. Three parts to my business. I do speaking, I do coaching, and then I do training. And the speaking is uh, uh, the biggest part of what I do, but I also love to coach people one-on-one -on -one around fear and courage and how it's impacting them more about how the fear is impacting them and the need to lead a courageous life and then i also have created a workshop around fear and courage as well and have the opportunity at times to bring that into companies and organizations into churches into schools and so that has been a, a real fun time for me uh, working in something that i recognized fear in my life and the need to be more courageous and now have the opportunity to do that with others as well. Oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And I would guess there's probably a pretty good backstory to your own journey with fear and courage, probably yeah. some foundational pieces and places sure. to what you're doing now as you think about those early turns of your leadership, life and leadership journey. Yeah. What kind of brought you to this place? What, what brought me to this place was back in 2010, actually losing my job. That was at mm -hmm. a time, the recession, I think, the recession, depression on however, you, whatever term you want to use to describe that time had started in 2008 and now we're 2010. I lost my job. At the time, I didn't know how bad the economy was because I'd been working and it hadn't mm -hmm. been an issue. So I lost my job and I found out very quickly that the economy was horrible, that people with uh, far more credentials and capabilities than I had, had been out of work for long periods of time, six months, a year, two years. And I found out very quickly that I may be unemployed for a while as well. And that's what happened. I was unemployed for quite a while. Then my wife, 13 months later, lost her job as well over the course mm -hmm. of a couple of years. We went through all of our savings. We ended up losing our home. And 
through that process, I was going to a wonderful Christian counselor who helped me to recognize the role that fear had played in my life going back to my childhood and the need to start leading a more courageous life. And that was a real eye-opener for me because I had been, I'll say, fairly successful. But as, as I reviewed things with my counselor, it was me basically just riding the wave of wherever life was taking me at the time, as opposed to leading a courageous life and not worrying about what other people thought or what they might think or who I might let down. And so that's a a quick summary of how that all began. And, and if you have other questions, I'd be glad to, to, to go along the conversation with you, Kristen. So that's a pretty life-altering experience, Dave, for sure. And it sounds like you recognize the role of fear in that specific time, but this counselor helped you kind of recognize that this was a theme for you back yes. to childhood. Yes. For me, my father passed away very suddenly when I was 14. Hmm. At the time... I was told by someone who actually came and pulled me out of school to tell me that my dad had died. I was told by this person that I wasn't to ask any questions, I wasn't to cry, and I was to be a man. At the time, again, this was 1969, and so I, I don't have any animosity towards this person because I think that's kind of the way things were done. So that's what I did. I didn't cry, I didn't ask any questions, and I, at 14, all that was important to me was what sport was in season. So as I look back at that time, from that time on, anything that was challenging, I learned how to avoid dealing with it because that's what I was told to do. I was told to avoid dealing with my grief. And so that became a pattern in my life. And that avoidance happened in school. It happened in relationships. It happened in jobs. And it happened over and over and over again. And I didn't recognize that until I started working with this counselor when I was 55 years of age. The thing that was interesting to me was as I began to explore this on my own and began to share that with other people, people would start to say to me, oh, you too? You know, so often we hold our fears in because we think we're the only one dealing with them. And with the help of this counselor, she helped me to recognize how it was playing a role in my life. And then as I visited with other people, I began to see it's a pretty common thing that we all face fears. Yeah. Well, and specifically in your career then, I mean, certainly in your childhood, your family experience, but in your career, we like to think, you know, talk in terms of the turn one of leadership, learning to lead ourselves um, as we get out into the work world, and then turn two, learning to lead teams and others. As you reflect on your career journey, Dave, what do you, are, are there any specifics that you kind of look back to now and go, oh my gosh, I kind of let fear rule that? Yes, without question. And and going back to, to turn one, leading myself, I didn't really lead myself at all. I went where people told me I, that they thought that I should go. Mm -hmm. And that happened in, in getting promoted in our organizations. You'll be good at this. So we think you should do this. Uh, it, it happened going to other organizations. Oh, we think you would be good at doing this. Oh, okay, then I'll go do this. And then as I started to get into leadership positions, I led the way that I had always been led by, okay, you do this. Not, I, and I wasn't really challenging people and encouraging people and looking for what they were good at. It was more about, okay, this is the way that things are done. So in that second round of leadership, it was just kind of doing what 
I was familiar with and the way leading the way that I had been led. And it wasn't a very good way. Hmm. Well, now as you work with leaders in general around courage, my experience, in at least in the world of business, is yeah, we keep any kind of fear behind the curtain and leaders are just seem to be immune from that. You know, it's all about confidence. And, and I've, I've certainly had my own journey with that and talking to people go, yeah, no, we actually all have our own fears. But what do you notice about leaders specifically when it comes to fear and courage? Yeah, one of the things that that I've had the opportunity to experience, and and I do my own work with fear and courage, but then I also work with David Horsager, the founder of the Trust Edge Leadership Institute, and I have uh, an opportunity to engage with a lot of high level leaders within his organization, and mm-hmm. so many of them. One of the biggest things that I see is leaders struggling with holding their their direct reports accountable. Accountability is a big one that I see in leadership vulnerability, a willingness to say, you know what, I, I messed up here. Let me tell you uh, what I did and here's what I'm going to do to remedy that. But uh, a willingness to admit your mistakes and take responsibility for those mistakes uh, is another one that I see very often. And a willingness and an ability to see that somebody may be as gifted uh, as you or maybe even more gifted and allowing them maybe to take over, not necessarily take over for you, but pass you on that leadership ladder. And that's a hard thing for leaders to do is is to hold people accountable, is to take responsibility for their actions, and to build people up and encourage people to help them become the best that they were created to be. And really, that's what good leadership is. That's really interesting because you've connected some dots for me, Dave, that, yeah, when I, I guess when I think of fear and leadership, I tend to think, you know, those things that will I be good enough or will I perform well enough or just kind of very personal things, but you've really tied it some very, to some very practical real world mm-hmm. organizational needs, the need for vulnerability as leaders, accountability, and to cheer others on where we yeah, that really kind of reframes what fear can look like in the leadership context to me. Right. And and I think Kristen it does tie to what you what you've talked about is is at the core of all that is a fear of uh, letting other people down, a fear of not being good enough. And so in when we don't feel good enough about ourselves, we certainly don't want to elevate anybody above us because then that shows weakness on our part when the reality is being vulnerable and helping people to maybe pass us, that is one of the most courageous things that we can do. And to accept responsibility for our mistakes is one of the most courageous things we can do. I listened to the podcast that you had with Donna Schumel. She talked about bravery and vulnerability and bravery to share our failures because that is what people relate to. They don't relate to our confidence and our lording things over them. They relate to our vulnerabilities. And as leaders, we want our people to relate to us. Yeah. Well, and you and I are probably of a similar age, Dave. I mean, certainly coming up in business when I or we did, that was not necessarily the recipe for leadership success and impact. I mean, it was a time to be much more kind of impenetrable, confident at all costs. And so I feel like a lot of us have kind of grown through some evolving sensibilities about what leadership and courage actually 
look like. Right. And and I'm going to tip my hand on one of your closing questions here on, mm-hmm. on what is the book that I'm currently reading. And, and the book that I'm reading right now is Trust and Inspire by Stephen Covey. And in that book, he talks about command and control, the very mm-hmm. thing that you talked about, about how we grew up in our business younger days. That's the way it was, command and control. Yeah. Whereas now, what we want to see in leadership is trust and inspire. And in that command and control, there is a lot of leading with fear. If you don't do this, you're going to lose your job or whatever the scenario might be. And so that's such an interesting thing is that there are still leaders that are stuck in that role of command and control because that's all they know. But more and more, we're starting to see and hopefully seeing more people moving on to that trust and inspire where we encourage people to become the best they can be, as opposed to holding people down through commanding and controlling them. Which makes all, oh my word, like there's a ton of inner work that we get to need to do as leaders to be able to be that, right? Especially when the tendency from our upbringing is, you know, large and in charge is my place of comfort and control. Like it's a big paradigm shift. Yeah. And and that comes down to self-awareness and the recognition. When I when I speak, I have three points to my talk. Name your fear, frame your fear, and claim your courage. And that first one, name your fear, is about acknowledging that you have a fear. It's about the self-awareness to say, I, I don't do this very well. I'm going to need some help. And oftentimes when we're promoted into leadership positions, we feel like, and this is how I felt, like I'm supposed to have all the answers. Even though I've never been in this role before, I'm supposed to have all the answers. And so when somebody comes and says or asks me a question that I don't have the answer to, am I going to have the courage to say, you know what? I don't know. Let me find out. Or am I going to try and bluff my way through it? Mm-hmm. And that's what we see see so often is people try to bluff their way through things as opposed to being good leaders and, and recognizing, having the self-awareness that I can't know everything. I'm new in the role. I've been in the role 10 years. I still don't know that. So let me get some help with this. And mm-hmm. so that self-awareness is such a key to, to acknowledging that you have that fear so that you can begin to move past it. Yeah, it reminds me in neuroscience of growth mindset versus fixed mindset, that there are places we all have in our lives where it's like, if I'm not good at this, I'm a failure versus growth mindset would say, I don't know about this, but I know how to learn. So those places to identify, like you said, through self-awareness and reframe our thinking. Well, you mentioned a conversation we had with Donna Shamel and how kind of fear and courage came up in that. There are two other conversations that we've had with episode guests that came to mind when I knew we were going to be talking about fear and courage. And one, Dave, was Julaine Smith from episode 61, which I think might just precede this one. But she mentioned in her, one of her quest, our questions, classic questions is, what's a leadership lesson you wish you had learned earlier? And her response, Dave, was, I wish I'd realized that everyone feels like an imposter that we all have imposter syndrome in some area of our leadership and our life. Yeah. So give me your perspective on imposter syndrome and fear and courage, if you would. Yeah, I I would wholeheartedly agree that that is something that impacts all of us. And I think one of the key factors in in overcoming that is having the uh, emotional intelligence and having the self-awareness 
that that's what you're facing, that it is imposter syndrome. And having the ability to say, okay, I, I don't feel like I belong here. I don't feel like I'm the person for this role. Uh, but yet looking back and saying, okay, what have I accomplished? What have I had done up to this point that has put me in this position that is a challenging position, but nonetheless, I've been preparing for this throughout my career. And so it's the, it's the emotional intelligence and the, the self-awareness that that is what you are going through. Donna Schimmel talked about bravery and vulnerability, and she says, bravery to share our failures because that is what people relate to. And that was directly related to talking about imposter syndrome and the recognition that we all face it. And it's okay to say, you know what? I don't feel like I belong here, but I I'm going to do my very best. And with your help and with each of us recognizing what our strengths and gifts are, let's move forward and do the very best that we can. Yeah. It just seems like we're living through a time when a sense of confidence and competence is not necessarily the grounding reality for any of us as leaders. It's about leaning into ambiguity and change and believing we have something in us, like everybody else, that can respond to that. It's just kind of an interesting time we're living in, I think. Yeah. And, and really, that's what courage is all about. It's about stepping into the unknown. Uh, it's hmm. not about holding back and saying, oh boy, I'm not so sure. I don't feel like I'm ready for this role, but it's about saying, I don't feel like I'm ready for this role. But again, looking back over your past history and your career and what you've succeeded in, and, and now this is the next step. And again, we can't be expected to know everything when we start in a new role or start a new company or whatever that, wherever that imposter syndrome shows up. So it's all about having the willingness to courageously step into it and learn as you go. Yeah, that's a very key practice that I've learned in my own journey, Dave, and that I recommend to other leaders in transition, especially is what you just said. When we look ahead and see ambiguity and like, oh my gosh, do I know? Can I do? Such a helpful practice to then look back instead and say, how have I gotten here? What have I experienced? And there's something, yeah, reorienting about that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And, and then it's so important as well to have trusted friends and colleagues and mentors that we can call on when we face these difficult times. People that have helped us walk through transitions before, people that we have seen go through transitions, but people that we can reach out to and say, hey, here's where I am. Here's what I'm experiencing. Uh, what would you recommend that I do at this point? Or what questions do you have for me that can help me to, to get past this? So I've got this friend who does coaching as well, and he shared with me once again, talking about the imposter syndrome, he shared with me of a gentleman that he was coaching, and in the one of the conversations he was having with this gentleman, the, the gentleman shared, every morning when I get in the car to go to work, I ask myself, how am I going to fool these people today? Mm. And when I get in the car and drive home at night, I wonder to myself, how did I get away with this again? Because I just don't feel like I should be where I am. And I just thought, wow. wow, that is imposter syndrome to the max. And this is a CEO of a company. And that's mm. how he's feeling. How am I going to fool him today? And how did I get away with that again? What, a, what an incredible thing. And yet he's very, very successful in what he does. Yeah, that really brings imposter syndrome to life. We are talking with Dave Cornell of Cultivate Courage. We'll return with more after this short break. Dave, 
Dave, we're back. And when you think specifically of later stages of leadership, as we work with third turn leaders contemplating transition and a future beyond themselves, what kind of courage do you see required at these kind of later stages of leadership and in those kind of realities? I think one of the things we've just touched on is, is the courage to hand it off. Uh, and the courage to step back from the role that you have been in and to let someone else be in charge. I think first and foremost, that's one of the key things for third-turn leaders. I think another thing for third-turn leaders as they look to transitioning to, to next steps, whatever those might be, is the courage to look for new things. So often leaders become uh, whatever role they are playing in, whatever organization they are part of, that becomes who they are and that becomes what they are known for. And it's about having the courage to say, okay, this part is over, what's coming next? And having the courage to explore new things, the courage to maybe take some assessments to see what are other things that I can do. But I think really the courage to hand it off and not hang around too long. We see that way too often, that leaders hang on and stay too long because they're afraid that they might be leaving the organization not in good hands, when in reality, they may leave, be leaving them in great hands. And also, they're afraid of stepping into the unknown as they retire or plan whatever new opportunities they might have before them. Yeah. And I think to your point, like there, because transition is so dynamic and unique to an individual and to an organization, gosh, it would be so much easier for us, right? If there was just a, a recipe for success, you know, seven steps to a successful transition that would make us all feel more comfortable and confident that we can work the plan versus letting things kind of unfold and kind of have their own life about them. And I think it's so important to recognize when we when we do have a plan and we have somebody that we are handing it off to, trust yourself that you have selected a person that is capable of filling your shoes and maybe even better than you to take the company or organization to the next level. And so trust the decisions that you've made to get to where you are and trust the decisions that you're making now to hand it off. Well, Dave, um, this has been really helpful, and you brought some great insights to our listeners. Um, we always like to wrap up our conversations by asking three turning point questions. Uh, so the first would be, if you could have done any other work beyond the career choices you've made, corporate side, and now you know helping people cultivate courage, what would you have been or done? You know, I would have become a psychologist. Hmm. Over, over the course of my career, I have had the opportunity to work with a lot of people. Uh, I'm certified as a DISC facilitator, and I'm certified in a couple of other things. I am fascinated by how the mind works, and I'm fascinated by the decisions that we make as individuals that very often we know the outcome isn't going to be great, but we do it anyway, me included. And so I'm fascinated by how the mind works. And if I had life to go back and do over again, I, I would become a psychologist. And in some ways, I'm able to play that role, I'll say, a little bit uh, in my work with courage and in my work with the disbehavioral profile. So I, I would be a psychologist if I had it to do over again. Yeah. And I can see how that shows up in the work you're doing now. What's a leadership lesson you wish you'd learned earlier? 
it comes back to what we've been talking about, about living courageously. As I look back over my life, fear dictated much of my life, a fear of not being good enough, a fear of not being smart enough, and didn't have the recognition and self-awareness and emotional intelligence to recognize that everybody around me is likely feeling the very same way, but we just don't talk about those things. So I, I wish that I had learned to live courageously much sooner. And the final question, Dave, what, what is the book you're currently reading and why? Well, I mentioned this earlier in our conversation, uh, the Stephen Covey book of Trust and Inspire. It's part of a mastermind group that I'm part of every Wednesday morning. We have a conversation for an hour and we discuss a book. And every month we have a new book. And right now we are going through that particular book. And it is a, it's a fascinating thing. We talked about it or earlier in our conversation. We talked about it, the command and control versus the trust and inspire, which is everywhere. So uh, it's the book that I'm doing as part of the mastermind. And it's a book that I'm, I'm learning a lot from. The second book that I happen to be reading right now is called Joining Jesus on His Mission. And it's How to Be an Everyday Missionary. So that's a book by Greg Finke. And that is uh, more along my, my faith-based side of my life. Uh, I guess my whole life is faith-based, but that's one that I'm reading for uh, growing in my faith. So two books right now. Wow. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. And especially, I would say, for using your own third turn of leadership to serve and support others in places that you experience struggle. I just think that's such a beautiful hallmark for a lot of us of third turn leadership is kind of circling back and serving others from the place that we've learned and grown. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Well, it, it truly has been an honor to be with you, and I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I think you summed it up very well. What can we as third-turn leaders do to help those who are coming behind us, to, to help them to grow from the things that we have learned, the experiences, both good and bad, that we've experienced, and, and how can we help people to be better? Thank you, Dave Cornell, for joining us for this episode of the Third Turn Podcast. We also thank all of you for listening. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you will share this resource with others, that you will give us a like on your favorite podcast engine, and that you'll also give us a rating. It helps us show up and reach other people. You can reach us, if you like, at thirdturnpodcast.com with any ideas or input or recommendations. We love hearing from you. And if you're curious about a maestro level leader cohort experience where we support you with camaraderie and the courage required as a maestro level leader, please reach out at maestrolevelleaders.com and we will follow up to discuss and explore this with you personally. It will be a cohort facilitator that speaks with you. Josh Brinkman engineers our sound. Jennifer Miller supports us as producer. Kristen Evenson and I co-host this podcast together, and it's such a joy to do it. The Third Turn Podcast is a production of Design Group International. Farewell for now. This is for our grandchildren's grandchildren.